Great to be together in worship today. Great to have this opportunity as we wrap up our One Anothering series. It is the final week of the series that we've been looking at for the last several weeks. And I hope you all received a journal when you came in today. Did you get your journal? All right. It's time to get out your journal. It's time to take notes. It's time to learn. It's time to grow. We've got some great, op- this is a great resource that we want to get in your hands. We have one week of this series in here and then the next several series coming up uh, for the rest of September, October, another a series about finances called Unshackled. We've got another series talking about the Exodus in the Old Testament as a, as a formative story that has so much application to our lives. That'll run through uh, November. And then we've even got some Christmas, the next Christmas series, some readings for you. Every day there's a place for you to, to take in some more of God's Word to have a daily devotional, to do some reflection. There's questions in here for you to process with, the, with a friend, with a spouse, with your family, and of course with life groups. And so this is a great resource in your hand, and we're so happy to give this to you. So please make sure you grab one, bring it back every week, put your name on it so we know if it's, uh, you know, not that you would ever accidentally leave it behind or anything like that, but there's a lot of these around. So uh, great resource. I'm excited about getting that into your hands. Our team has worked hard to put that together. And I think it's going to really help us grow deeper in our faith. So we've been looking at the series, One Anothering, because the Bible has all these passages, about 60 passages or so, that talk about how to connect with one another. It's obviously a very important thing in the life of the church that, that is about being a community. As we've talked about, church isn't just a place where we come and just attend a service. The whole point of being the church is being the community, the body of Christ. God never designed us to be lone rangers in our faith. As a matter of fact, that's like saying we're not a part of God's body where he is the head and we are the body, the people. And if we are not connected to that body, that we are not part of the community of the church. And so these one another's help us to know how do we relate with one another? How do we connect? And so we've been looking at these different ones, loving one another, how love moves us, us closer. We talked about this idea that, that the, the importance of welcoming one another. That we have to have an open heart and open eyes to see those around and saying our community is always open to having more people come and to connect. We talked about the power of encouraging each other. Don't we need encouragement? I believe in you. I'm with you. I got you. I think this is, you know, we, we, we need one another to surround each other in that way. We talked about the importance of carrying each other's burdens, right? That, that we are there for each other, that, that we have that moment where we go a little bit deeper. How are you doing? How are you doing Really? <laughs> really, how's it going? And taking that time to open our hearts and to open our, ourselves up to one another. And today, I want to talk about this last one, which is teach one another. Teach one another. And so we look at Colossians 3.16 as one of those examples of where it talks about this. It says, let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel one another with all the wisdom he gives. Now, teaching one another. Some of you are already going, oh, I don't know about this one. <laughs> I don't know about teaching one another and then, you know, the other part, caring for each other and encouraging each other and welcoming and hanging out. But this teaching piece, what is that all about? We want to look closer. What does it mean to teach one another? The reality is we learn our whole lives, don't we? Or at least we should. Ever been around someone who doesn't feel like they have anything else to learn? But we learn our whole lives. If you've ever gotten a new phone and upgraded to a new phone or a new laptop, don't you hate that? I mean, it's exciting to get a new phone, but it's like to have to learn, or if you switch platforms, right, you're having to learn something new. Or maybe you get a new car with all the technology that's in it. I have to rent a car this week as one car's in the shop, and it's like trying to figure out all the new things. And there's a learning curve there. We have to learn, how do we do this? 
We have to learn in our culture. What is it ha what's happening in our world? What's happening in our society? What are the trends, the fashions, the language? What are the, the little texting abbreviations? What do those mean, right? There's always new ones, and I'm thankful that we have some teenagers that can sometimes try to help us understand a little better what some of the stuff means. But it's hard. It's to keep up. You have to, you know, make some effort for that. But I know if you're in a career, in a job, in a profession, how many of you have just stayed stuck with what you knew 10, 15, 20 years ago? You can't, right? You have to continue to learn, to grow, to, to, to figure out what's new in the industry. How do I keep getting, you know, improving what I'm doing? How do I get new certifications? So we're continuing to learn globally. What's happening in our world with the news and global dynamics and politics, we're trying to stay up on these things so that we can be informed. All of these areas are ways that we naturally learn in our lives. Once we leave school, we may not have that same kind of approach to classes and, you know, taking on topics that we don't care about. But there are so many things that we do need to learn. And I wonder, how are we doing learning in our spirituality? How are we doing learning and growing in our faith? How important is that to us? What part in our lives does, does, does that play? Because learning and growing are linked. So if we're going to be talking about teaching one another, we have to spend about as much time talking about learning from one another, right? They're two sides of the same coin. And here's the thing. If we aren't learning, we aren't growing, right? I mean, we, we know this. If we aren't learning, we aren't growing. And I know sometimes, you know, I've got... Again, kids in middle school and high school and in college and said, so why do we have to take certain classes that we're never going to use, right? We don't like to learn things that we don't think have application. But what that does is it, it stretches us. We learn new things and we grow in new directions when we do that. And when you think you know it all and you act like you know it all, the reality is you're actually very small. Your ignorance is showing, <laughs> right? If you've ever been around someone who just thinks they have every answer, they know everything, they have nothing else to learn, nothing else that could be taught to them, it's like, that, that actually speaks to how little you really do know, because we can't possibly know everything. And so we have to, to look at what are we learning? And the question I have for you is, where are you learning it from? How do we learn today? YouTube, right? <laughs> you can learn everything on YouTube. YouTube is awesome. You can learn all kinds of stuff on YouTube. I fix all kinds of things at home and in the car, and if I don't know, I just go onto YouTube, and there's a video, and then you just do it, and maybe you get it right, maybe you mess it up, but you can learn through that. But you can learn, you know, when you're listening. You can learn from your neighbor, your friends, from classes, from books, from shows, from schools, all kinds of ways that we can learn. But the question is, what voice are you listening to? Because who's teaching you has tremendous influence in your life. The things that we're listening to, the things that are shaping us, they, they, they form us. And so we have to be careful. Who is it that we're listening to? Who are we following? Now, there was a, there's been studies, several studies that have been done on this, that it's uh, like who we listen to shapes us. And so when we think about our news sources, right, we love to have the debates in our country about the news sources. we got all kinds of different, you know, places where people get their news, and there's plenty more beyond that. And we tend to think that you listen to a news source, you know, oh, these are all the unbiased news sources. There's others that are way more biased, right? Um, Remember the news used to seem neutral, like you just kind of listen to the information, and now it's like they're all on a spectrum of, and we think we listen to a news source based on our maybe political leaning. And that's true in, in part, but when studies are, have also been done where there's a control group and there's another group that is, that is um, you know, their, their political views are known, and then they spend time listening to one news source compared to one that's listening to another, we can measure that their leaning has changed that the influence of that news source is changing their political views. 
And so it's not just this passive we just choose to listen to and make our decisions. What we listen to influences us in the national media. But more than even maybe national media, what we're seeing a lot in our culture today is the influence of social media, right? Anybody on social media? Who, who takes in some social media? Okay, probably the majority of us at some level, there's some, there's some social media that we take in. And there's this, this, this career aspiration that many young people have, uh, and older folks too, is to be social media influencers. Right, so even in the title, we want to influence through, through social media. So well, there's all kinds of um, things that are out there, whether it's on TikTok or Snapchat or whether it's on Instagram or all the different platforms, Facebook, wanting to influence people. And it's right there in the title. We want to influence. I want to I have some sway in your life. And there's actually, again, studies that have been done about this. One fact is that 50% of millennials feel that they know the influencers they follow on social media better than their friends. Spending so much more time every day, multiple posts, and feels like we know these people. Here's another, another fact. Seven out of ten, this was done in a study, seven out of ten consumers trust influencers' recommendations just as much as the opinion of real-world friends. Okay? So they have influence, and we literally click follow on some of these. We follow them. You follow an influencer. You know, if you like, you know, they always say the videos, you know, if you like what you're hearing here, just click follow, follow me, follow me, follow me. And we start following because they're taking a lead and that begins to shape who we are and you can't help but listen to someone or a group or a news media outlet or the circle that you're around and not be influenced by them it's a fact of who we are and how we're wired so we become these followers but maybe there's another way to put it which we don't use today is but we become disciples and you're going oh i know where he's going with this yeah of course you do we're in church it's obvious but you don't think about it, right? You're a discipler. You're just being discipled by people in social media or those folks that we listen to. They have this influence, whether it's politicians or whether it's you know, social media followers, whether it's a group that you're around. So who are you allowing to disciple you to become that you're becoming a follower of? And so again, we're surrounded by all these different people, all these different voices that want to shape us into a certain direction. So it's very important to think about how do we teach one another? Where do we, and how do we approach one another when, when the Bible makes it clear that we are supposed to be teaching one another, that that's a key role that we have in the church. And so today I want to look at four keys to learning from one another. Four keys as we teach one another, how do we learn from one another? Let, let's pray and open our hearts to, to ask God to really speak into us today. Heavenly Father, we know there's so many voices, there's so many things that are vying for our attention, that are trying to guide us in a certain direction, that are wanting to shape our lives. And Father, your word calls us to learn from one another, to teach one another. I pray today, God, that you would open our hearts to hear something that just opens us up to grow us as a community closer to you. We pray these things in Jesus' name, and if you agree, say amen. 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 All right. Four keys to learning from one another. Again, I want to look at this, this verse, Colossians 3, 16 again here. Let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel one another with all the wisdom he gives. So I want to look at some principles that we see here in this place and in other places in Scripture that, that really help us to understand how we learn from one another. The first is this, be grounded in truth. Y'all have notebooks out right now. You may not have something to write with, but you got your phones, take notes. Be grounded in truth. Christ-centered community is so important in this. What are we grounded in? 
This is not just, you know, when it says, you know, just teach one another, just teach one another anything. That's not what we're gathering together as the church. That's not what it's about. It's not just whatever your opinion is, whatever your, you know, experience is, whatever your truth is. It's not just the whatever goes. There's something important that we have to focus on. What is it that we're teaching? If we're going to teach one another, what is it that we're focusing on? Well, it said here in that verse, the message about Christ. The message about Christ. Jesus said about himself, John 14, 6, I am the way, the what? The truth and the life. He's the way, the truth, and the life. So what brings us together in Christ-centered community is that Christ has got to be central. He's got to be the focal point. The truth is a person. Now, we are not just following a law book. The Bible is very important, but truth is centered in a person, and the Bible points to Jesus. That's how we learn about who he is, and that's what sets us apart from all other kinds of communities. Look, we are not, um, we are not disciples of the Bible. The Bible is hugely important. We are students of the Bible, and we are disciples of Jesus. The Bible is a way that guides us, that helps us to understand who Jesus is, but we're not just like a club that just, just is a Bible club, right? Just like a constitutional club, and we're going to study the Constitution together. There's a living, breathing God, Jesus Christ, alive through the Holy Spirit in us that guides us, that is truth, and that's who we are seeking to follow, and that's what sets Christ-centered community apart from other gatherings and places that we may be influenced by. Different from, you know, support groups or hobbies or clubs or, you know, things that you're connected with work or through school. This community is centered and grounded in Christ. And that's what is different. In the Church of God, we're, we're fond of saying that Jesus is the subject. He's the thing that everything points to. He's at the heart of who we are. So when we talk about being grounded and we talk about what we're teaching, it's about the truth of Jesus. And we need to build on that foundation and what he taught and how he taught us to live. Jesus, when he taught his most important message, the Sermon on the Mount, that we still read in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, he ends it after he does all this teaching about how we should live and approach people and life and God. He says, you know, be a person who builds your life on the rock. Somebody who listens to the word of God and puts it into practice is like someone who builds their life on the rock. When the rains came, when the winds beat down, that house did not crash, but it stood. And so when we talk about community, we talk about teaching one another, we cannot miss this, that we have to build this community on truth. Not just whatever anyone thinks and wants, but on the biblical truth, because that is the foundation that we have to continue to come back to the message about Christ. But also in that verse, he said, let it fill our lives in all its richness. Let it fill our lives. What it's saying there is to dwell in us, that this message about Jesus isn't just something out here, some knowledge that we have. Oh, you know, I went to school and I learned about this and I learned about that and I went to church and I learned about this. It's to fill our lives. It's to dwell in us. And that word there is about like living and inhabiting like a home, like a house. It takes up residence. So every part of us is saturated with understanding of who God is, who Jesus is, and it changes us. Look what it says in Ephesians 4, 21 to 24. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him. So if we learn about Jesus, the truth comes from him. Here's the impact it has. Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. 
it's not, just the, it's not just the mental knowledge. It's not just the learning of facts. It's a transformative knowledge. And that's why it's so important that we learn from one another, that we're in community, because it changes us fundamentally who we are. So who are you listening to? What do you need to learn? What are the truths? What are the questions do you have? We're to be transformed by Christ. So key number one, be grounded in the truth. Christ-centered community. The second is this, be open to learning. Stay curious. If we're going to teach for one another, if we're going to learn from one another, we actually have to be open to learning. We have to have a mindset that, that there's something more that we can learn. But I think some of us, we can get into this mindset in different areas in our lives, not just in faith and spirituality, but it could be like, you know, I'll just figure it out on my own. Ever say that? I'll just figure it out on my, on my own. I, I don't need anybody else. I don't need anybody else to tell me what to do. I think I know better. I think I got this. Closed mind. I don't want to learn anything new. What do others know anyway? What do you know about my situation? You don't know my situation. You do you, I do me. I don't need to learn anything else. Right? It, it, suddenly those things can creep in. And what begins to happen is we have a closed mind and we start thinking, I don't have anything else to learn from anyone else. The Bible makes it very clear that there are two kinds of people. Wise and foolish. Wise and foolish. The Bible doesn't mince words. It's like, oh, that would be kind of rude to say to somebody. Many times the Bible says, you fool. <laughs> be wise, foolish. We're going to look at some Proverbs here and a little bit other section as well. Let me just read a couple of these to you and look at the difference between wise and foolish. Proverbs 12, 15. Fools think, they, think their own way is right, but the wise, what do they do? They listen to others. 1-7, fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. 15-22, plans go wrong for lack of advice. Many advisors bring success. Fools have no interest, 18 verse 2, fools have no interest in understanding. They only want to air their own opinions. So the question is, wise and foolish, which, which are you? We don't want to admit that we might be fools, but Scripture tells us and reminds us that the fool ignores others. The fool doesn't need others. The fool thinks they have all the answers. I just have, I can want to tell you everything. I don't want to listen. I don't want to hear. The wise surround themselves with good counsel, with good advisors. They're listening. They're open to wisdom. They're open to discipline. And that's where growth happens. And so the Scripture is clear on this. Which one are you? So I would just challenge you, stay curious. Stay curious. Ask more questions and listen. It's something I need to learn. Something I have to continue to grow in. Like to not just, you know, when you're at the point of an organization or of a team or if you're leading something, it's easy to think like, hey, I'm in this role and, and I have the answers. No. And I have to be reminded and remind myself over and over again, stay curious. Listen. Who is it that you're surrounding yourself with? What do they have to offer? I recently led a, led a, a subcommittee uh, from the Board of Trustees that I, that I serve on at Anderson University, and some great, sharp people, and thought about things very differently than I did, and, and it was just one of those times where I had to listen and collaborate and work together and see, stop, collaborate and listen. All right. Ice is back with the brand new, no, all right, music reference for some of you, um, but we need to stop, collaborate, and listen. All right, point, that was point number two. Number three. Besides being grounded in the truth, being open to other learning, we need to be willing to share, to pass along our wisdom. Now, some of you, you know, are very happy to do that, and others find that easy, but 
maybe we come along and go, wisdom? I don't know, me? <laughs> Wise? I'm not sure. Who am I? What do I know? I mean, I don't have it all figured out. Why would I be helping anyone else grow in their faith or learn something up? I'm screwed up big time. If you only knew what was going on in my life, if you only know what I've gone through, if you know what I'm struggling with right now, you wouldn't come to me asking for wisdom. Or, you know what? I don't, I don't give guidance. I don't, I don't teach others. I mean, again, everyone's just got to figure out their way. You do you, I do me. Sometimes we have to overcome those barriers because what the Bible is saying is teach and counsel one another. The reason I use the words here is be willing to share is because it feels a little less threatening <laughs> than teaching and counseling. But it's the same sentiment. It's how do we share that wisdom? And so we need to look at wisdom. I want you to take a moment and just like, you know, a couple seconds, turn to somebody sitting near you and give them your definition of wisdom. What is wisdom? Just take a moment and share. What, you, what is wisdom? How would you describe it? If you're online, you can type it in the <laughs> comment section. What is wisdom? So there's lots of different ways that we can describe wisdom. Sorry if you both didn't get a full opportunity to unload all your wisdom on this, but I would, put it, I would say it this way. Wisdom is truth with skin on. That's exactly what Andy said. <laughs> wisdom is truth with skin on. It's lived learning. It's tested truth. So when we think about wisdom, it's it's like we can talk in church and we can look at what the Bible says about forgiveness. And we can say forgiveness is this is how you do it. This is, you know, what the Bible says. Or you can share wisdom and say, you know what? Somebody wronged me really bad one time. And I harbored a lot of resentment and unforgiveness. But you know what? God convicted me and he gave me the grace and I began to take steps. And I gave, you know, I offered that forgiveness and here's the impact that it had. Maybe positively, maybe negatively. But all of a sudden now, it's not just truth that sits out there as some objective piece, but it's something that, that we come back to and say, now if we put skin on it, we can begin to see the story. We can hear what's behind that. We can learn about generosity. We can learn about tithing. We can learn about giving, but it's one thing to know it. It's another for a person to say, you know what? I, I really struggled with that. I had a hard time thinking about that, but here's how I took steps towards that. And then when I became, you know, took that, those steps of obedience and I saw how God was, was faithful in that, my life really began to change, and, and I saw God's goodness. That's wisdom. That's not just truth. That's a truth with skin on. Another way we could say it is wisdom is knowledge wrapped in story. Right? Wisdom is knowledge wrapped in story. And so when we think about the ways that, that we look at this experience truth together, even in, the, in this journal that you have, when we ask these life group questions, these, these conversation questions, a lot of the questions will say, when in your life did you experience? Or share about a time in your life when this happened to you, right? And so it becomes a place where we're not just hearing some truth from, from you know, up front on a Sunday morning, not just reading biblical truth, which are the foundations like we talked about in point one, but now we're getting to see how is it being lived out? How is it being experienced? You know, tell about a time when you felt like God abandoned you. What did that feel like? How did you get through that? Not just like a pat answer like God will be with you when you're struggling. That's important to know. That's the truth. But how does that work? 
How do you live that out? That's why we need each other. That's where we need to lean in to one another. Here's some more Proverbs, again, about wisdom and sharing that and how important that is that you offer that to others. Proverbs 12, 26. The godly give good advice to their friends. The wicked lead them astray. 27, 8. The heartfelt counsel of a friend is as sweet as perfume and incense. Right, what can a friend do? A friend can give you that outside perspective. A friend can, can give you, you know, from, from their perspective, how they experience God's truth and to speak into that. And it can help us see things that we don't see ourselves. Proverbs eleven fourteen: Without wise leadership, a nation falls. There is safety in having many advisors. That's what I love. In our church, we have a leadership board. It's called the Advisory Council because there's wisdom and advice and those that have different perspectives that can speak into situations to say, how do you see this? How have you experienced it? We have a person on our board who's not a part of Meadow Park. He's a pastor at a church in Indiana, an outside perspective that has advice and wisdom and can speak into our situation. And so it's so important that we're willing to share. Now, if everybody showed up at an advisory council meeting and said, well, I don't have anything to offer, that wouldn't be very helpful, would it? If you get together with other believers and say, I don't have anything to share, no, we have to be willing to share. And that's what's so important is to share that wisdom. And you know what's really cool is when you teach, when you speak, when you lead, the teacher learns the most. The teacher learns the most. Because you're spending time, you're preparing, you want to learn, you want to grow. God uses the opportunities when you pour into somebody else. When you have something you need to work on, right? If somebody asks you, research something on a topic, what do you do? You start learning. And even a message like this, a 30, 35, 40-minute message sometimes, um, <laughs> you know, it might take 15, 20 hours. Does everything that I study and prepare make it into a message? No, because we'd be sitting here for about 15, 20 hours. You know, there's a section, there's a cutting, cutting room floor, there's examples, there's stories, there's scriptures that don't ever make it into the message. But those are things that I've gone into, and so I get the privilege of, of growing when I prepare. And that's what's true for any of us when we teach, when we share with others, when we think and reflect, why, why did that impact me in that way? And sometimes you step back and have to evaluate your own life and your own faith and really put words to that. That begins to grow you as well. And so if you want to grow spiritually, teach. Teach something to somebody. Speak a truth. Share a wisdom. Be in your groups. What is God teaching you? I love the verse in Proverbs 27, 17. As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend, right? It's that learning from each other. It's being connected. It's how we sharpen one another. We have so many rich experiences. And when I think about all the experiences in this room and online and what you've gone through in your life, there's such richness there. Some of you have been followers of Jesus for many, many years. You'd say, you know, I was a believer before you were in diapers, right? I mean, you have experiences Lots of things. You've been faithful. You've seen the ups and downs. You've weathered all kinds of storms. You have so much to offer. Maybe you're younger and say, well, I don't have anything to offer. I'm just kind of new in the faith, or I'm just kind of starting out. Share your passion. Share your enthusiasm. Share the new insights. Share your questions. Those are all things that help us in everywhere in between. Share what God has taught you. Be wise. Pass along that wisdom. And the fourth is this, if we want the key to learning from one another. Be devoted to each other. Live as disciples. Acts 2.42. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. This is where the community began to form. 
And what I love is that word is they devoted themselves. And one of the first things it says here, what did they devote themselves to? The apostles' teaching. This is the core. This is the key. But it wasn't just the teaching. It was the community. It was the fellowship. It was the breaking bread. It was the prayer. It was the saying, we are connecting. We're not just settling for being in rows and disconnected as strangers. We need to be in community with each other if we're going to grow in our faith, if we're going to be committed to this. Rick Warren says it this way, tell me what you're committed to, and I'll tell you what you're going to be in 20 years. Because you are becoming whatever you are committed to. Your commitments shape your life. We can commit ourselves to all kinds of things. We'll never miss this golf outing. We'll never miss this, you know, football game. We'll never miss this opportunity. But we're willing to miss church. We're willing to skip out on connecting with other believers. But what are you committing to? If if the truth of life, if the truth of Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life is what shapes every aspect of our lives, that has to be our number one commitment, to be devoted to one another, to be devoted to this community. And Jesus had a model of this where he said, look, the way it's going to happen is by calling disciples. Back to this word discipleship that we get from the Bible. It's from what Jesus did, right? It was, it was how he designed it to pass on the faith from one generation to the next generation. It was never about just handing someone a book. It was never someone just saying, here's a Bible, go figure it out on your own. It was never about just saying, Here, you know, here's, here's some YouTube videos, watch those, and you'll learn how to be a great follower of Jesus. It was skin on skin, life on life, right, walking in the master's footsteps. And so when Jesus began his journey, how did, how did he start? He said, come and follow me. The first invitation was to, to follow him, to follow him as a person. He says, and I will teach you. And I will make you fishers of men. I'm going to show you how it's done, but, but it's in relationship. It's relational learning. That's the model in the church. That's what it's been throughout history. And so Jesus taught as he went, and there were moments where, he, yes, he taught lessons and sermons. But how much of it happened as they were going, the Bible tells us. As they went, these situations came up, and the learning took place. And then after Jesus' death and resurrection, he shares, he shares the Great Commission. And what does he say? Go and do what? Make disciples. Come follow me. Go make disciples. And what, is, what does he say? And teach them. There's that word teaching. And now you've been taught. Now you teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. These truths. Go. You pass them on to others. And he ascends into heaven. And not long after that, the Holy Spirit comes. And, and Peter is teaching. And 3,000 come to faith. And he's teaching them and he's leading them. And that's when we read this passage in Acts where they come together. And now they devote themselves to the apostles' teaching. You see the cycle. It's person to person. It's generation to generation. And we see that even here at Meadow Park that it's been passed on from one generation to the next. And we have to continue to pass that torch and that truth. And we see it modeled with Paul. In one verse here, I want you to think how many, how many torches are being passed here that he's talking about in 2 Timothy 2.22. You have heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now, teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. <laughs> so we say, there's this cycle. You've heard me. Now you teach someone else who you think can teach someone else. There's like this cycle. He's saying, this is the way we pass it along. And so we have to be willing to teach in this relationship, to be devoted to one another, to live as disciples. We are all to be disciples and disciplers. Now, we may not feel worthy of that. We may not feel like, ah, we know enough. Reference the previous points I just made. You 
have a story. You have knowledge. You're still growing, but it's both and. If you're a step ahead of one other person, you have a way that you can lead them one step further. And there's people that are further along in their faith journey than you are. So who's pouring into your life? And who are you pouring into? That's the model that Jesus showed us. And it's the way the church understood that it's relational learning. We learn in community. We learn in relationship, not just from a lecture, not just from a sermon, not just from reading, but when it's people living life alongside one another, devoted to Christ. So let me give you four challenges out of these four points when it comes to community. The first is the seek truth. <laughs> right? If we're going to build our lives, we have to, and we're going to learn what is the truth. Get focused on truth and find that Christ-centered community. What truth are you building your life on? If Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, then we better understand and know this truth. Commit to it seriously. The second is the stay curious. Don't be a fool. You don't know it all. We don't know it all. Let's be wise in the way that we live. Let's stay curious. Say, I want to learn more. I want to grow. Third, share your wisdom. Share that truth with skin on. You're learning. Sometimes, you, sometimes wisdom comes from making horrible mistakes. Sometimes the greatest wisdom comes from bad mistakes, right? And wisdom comes from doing some things right. And so we need to share that with one another. And the fourth, be devoted. Grow with others on the journey. And that takes relationship. That takes investment. That takes time. That takes a commitment to other people to say, we're going to go through this together. When I think about community, and we talk about belonging in our church, that that's the, where it begins, that we belong, we believe, we get transformed in that, and we become who Christ made us to be. That's the process. And so we want to be welcoming and open arms in a place where, where anyone can feel loved and welcomed and accepted, but we want to move beyond the rows and into circles, into community where you might know some people. Listen, you can't know everybody, but you can know somebody, right? You can know a few people. And that's what makes all the difference in the world, to be in these kind of communities. And I'm so encouraged about the groups that we have starting this fall, the life groups that are, that are going to get together, that are going to look at some of these, these uh, questions that we have in here, or some group study, some other material. But it's a way to grow and to care for one another, to welcome one another, to encourage one another, to carry each other's burdens, these, these things that we've been talking about this entire series that we live those out in community and that we experience it in a powerful way. That's what I wish for you. It's what I long for us as a church. And when that begins to happen, that's attractive to other people. That's attractive to others that say, you know, I want to be a part of a community. I want to grow in faith. I want to be supported like that. And that's how God uses us to expand and grow his kingdom. It was a neat uh, opportunity not last week, but the week before, we had our team night in here, all those that serve on different, you know, different roles in our church, and we talked about just the role of even, um, of connecting, and had a few people that shared some, some uh, of their own stories, some of their own wisdom, and I wanted to share with you today just a snippet of what uh, Ben shared. Ben is relatively new to our congregation, and I want you to hear a few things that Ben shared about the power of connecting. Okay, if I haven't met you, uh, my name is Ben Borkowski. Um, I moved to Columbus um, technically last September, but I've been in the Bethel area since January. I started coming to Meadow Park at the end of January. One of the first Sundays I was here, there was a Meet the Pastors event in the library. And I went and I met the pastors. And this, this man walked in the room with a little bit of crazy hair. He had just been singing. And... 
he walked up to me he said hi i'm roger i said hi i'm ben and he said ben are you going to honduras And I looked at him with just a blank face and said, I don't think so. Well, fast forward a few months, I went to Honduras, but it was one of the best decisions I've made. So it, from, from pretty much September to when I first started coming to Meadow Park, I was very much living in indecision. I had gotten into routine I, and I was comfortable in that routine. That routine was go to work, come back, make dinner, do the dishes, read a book, watch TV, go to bed, repeat. And then didn't really leave my apartment much, just kinda did that over and over and over again. But the most important takeaway I had from that trip had nothing to do with Honduras. And it, it's actually a, a question. Um, and that was, why did it take going to Honduras to meet the people that I was going to church with every week? But I, th I think the answer was that I, I didn't know how to, to meet people. So I told you I grew up in a small United Methodist church, and it was one where community was everywhere inside of that church. And then I moved to Columbus. It's different. I, I was surrounded by more people than I'd ever been in my life, and I could blend in. I could, I could go under the radar. And I did, because it was comfortable. And I, I was lonely because of it. But taking that leap, joining a team, mission trip team, and, and our small group team, it reminded me that Christians were, were not supposed to blend in. And it, when, we, when we're in a group and we work together, when we live, work, and worship together, it's exponentially more powerful. And I found that. And that's, that's what community has done for me. It's... It's encouraged me. It's given me greater confidence in my faith and surrounded people who will support me. Not not just in those times when I when I will fall, but but during the good times too. So that's my story. Truth with skin on. <laughs> The experience of community and the power of connecting with one another and the difference that that makes in our lives. We have to overcome those hurdles. And again, I just pray that we would get to know one another better, that you would find a place of connection, of love, of community, a place where you can invest in others and others can invest in you, and that we would really live out these one another's, that they wouldn't just be truth on black and white or in red letters in the Bible, but that that is something that you experience. And so I just encourage you to take that step, step out, connect with a group, whether it's through serving on a team, whether it's being part of a life group. A lot of our fall uh, life groups are launching this week. So get into one today and say, let me just give it a test. Let me give it a, a chance to see, God, what you can do in that time. And when you're in those groups, let's be devoted to each other. Let's share what God is doing in our lives. Let's support one another and really experience the truth and the richness and the life that comes from following Jesus together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father. We just give you thanks for a place that we can experience your love. And because of your love, we can love others. Our heart can grow to include more and more people. And Father, I just pray that as a body here, we aren't just at arm's length from one another, strangers, 
but God, that we continue to grow in relationship, that we take steps towards knowing others and watching how you can transform us. As great as it is to go on a missions trip and meet people, as Ben said, Lord, why do we have to go that far to meet people that are sitting right next to us? Father, help us to take steps to make those connections and to really experience what it means to be your body with you at the center, uh, guiding us, leading us, moving through us. Give us courage. And Father, I pray for all of our groups that are beginning fresh for this fall. May they experience the depth of community centered in you. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.